Welcome to T. Rowe Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Christine Akins, and I'm delighted to be your host. I've spent my career helping people prepare for retirement. My colleagues joining me today are financial professionals who help people on their retirement journey, whether they're planning for retirement or are already there. This episode is going to focus on how to best balance saving for educational expenses and retirement. Both are significant financial goals, and if you're unsure of how to prioritize saving, it can be a confidence killer. My guests today bring perspectives from both sides of the issue. I'm joined by retirement expert Joshua Deitch and college savings expert Allison Lush. Welcome to the show, Josh and Allison. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So for many families with school-aged children, we're talking about a situation if you're faced with saving for college education with the backdrop of needing to save for retirement as well. Allison, you work in college savings. How do you approach this topic? Saving for retirement should be most people's number one savings goal, of course. But for those with children or who are planning to have a family someday, saving for college should also be high up on their savings goals list, if not their number two goal. The time frame an individual has to save for college expenses is fairly short, and you do not want to have a cash flow problem in retirement because you need to use some of those funds in order to pay for tuition bills. With proper planning and budgeting, you can effectively save for both goals at the same time. Josh, you work in retirement. What does this topic mean to you? It's interesting. What I'll say first is it's personal. I do hope to retire someday, and I have two children, one of which is going off to college this coming fall. And so the way I sort of think about it is, you know, college savings or the amount that we expect to pay in tuition is a large liability, and it tends to come about when we're just entering our peak earning years. And similar to retirement, if you start saving early enough, the expense should be manageable. But unfortunately, we're trying to save for the probably the two biggest liabilities besides purchasing a house that we'll ever face in our lifetimes. On top of that, life happens. So there are other goals. And we find ourselves in this position of trying to juggle multiple goals and what comes at us on a daily basis. And one way to think about it is if you were to start at the beginning, you would see that many of these goals are sequenced in a certain way. You maybe come out of college and you've got some debt. You're maybe thinking about starting a family someday, purchasing a house, saving for your kids to go to college, retiring someday. If you take all these goals and you condense them into a short period of time, say 15, 20 years, the difficulty becomes so much greater than if you sort of think about a natural sequence over 40 years of working. Great perspective, Josh. You know, it's so important to think about the sequencing. It's equally important to think about knowing when it's important to start some of these savings goals. Allison, when should you start thinking about saving for college? It's never too early, Christine. The cost of college today can be pretty intimidating. And unfortunately, with the current pace of tuition inflation rising at an annual rate about 5%, it doesn't look to be getting better in the future. Imagine what that cost could be 18 or 20 years from now. Ideally, parents should begin saving as early as they can. In the college savings plan industry, we would love to see more accounts being open for newborns, but the reality is parents tend to start much later 
in my experience, I see a lot of parents starting in middle school or even in the beginning of high school. And this is really a lost opportunity. And Josh, when should you start thinking about saving for retirement? Well, it's sort of the same answer when you think about it as early as possible. Because again, you know, we ultimately don't know how long we're going to live. But we do have a pretty good idea of how long we're going to work for. And the more years that we can spend saving and that money can compound in returns, the better off we'll be. And also, the less impactful on our lives on a day-to-day basis. Because the absolute dollar figure that you may need to retire, you know, that's a math problem. But the more years that you have to solve for it, the better off you are. I'd also like to come back to something that Allison said, you know, about saving for college. I had the good fortune of actually working in this industry when the 529 market came about. And it was before I had children. And I thought a lot about what it would cost to put kids through college. And even if you don't work in the industry, there are a lot of resources like the Department of Education or there's a lot of calculators online that you can look at at what specific schools cost to send your kids for four years or two years for an associate's degree or even grad school. I think going into it, like retirement, you have to have realistic expectations. You know, how much can you afford to fund? How much do you want to borrow? Do you want to borrow? And it's just a question like many financial problems. You develop a plan and you keep working the plan. So can you and how do you save for both successfully? Josh, would love to hear from you first. Well, first of all, I think there's really no magic bullet. The way I think about it is striking a balance between your present self and your future self. And if you think about it, spending and saving are essentially the same thing insofar as savings is simply delayed consumption. And, you know, I'll go back to something I said earlier in which, you know, there's a sequence to all of this. You come out of college and you might have some debt and you have to start thinking about budgeting because I got to pay down that debt. I got to start thinking about having money set aside for emergencies. And then I can start thinking about retirement and other life goals, such as purchasing a home or saving for college. And the critical factor to all of this is something that both Allison and I have said is it's never too soon to start. I'll just go back to something. An idea is if you think about the cost of college or the cost of retirement, it's a liability. And you can define what that liability is. And the way I think about savings is the steepness of the slope. The fewer years that you have to do it, the steeper the slope, which means there's more money that you have to take out of your present consumption in order to meet those goals. So delaying is not your friend. Time is your friend. I agree with Josh. Proper planning and budgeting across all of your savings goals is really key. Parents tend to underestimate how much college is really going to cost. To Josh's point, there are some wonderful retirement planning calculators available out there on the internet, 
but many people don't realize that there's also great cost-of-college calculators, and these can be used to estimate the cost of future college expenses based on a person's savings time frame and their estimated monthly and annual contributions. This is a great place to start. How big of a problem is student loan debt when it comes to saving for retirement and saving for future educational expense? Josh, we'd love to hear from you first. I don't want to minimize the problem. It's real. There's roughly $1.8 trillion of federally guaranteed student loan outstanding. And for the most part, most people have not made a payment in two years. And in that two years, they've found other uses for that money. You can pick up a newspaper, turn on TV. There's a lot of discussion about it. But putting the public conversation about student loan debt aside, I think one of the real challenges is the way that people think about that debt. Because most federally subsidized student loan debt is amortized over 10 years. And we did some research recently where we asked people about their student loans. And most looked at it like it was a mortgage. And for most of us, our mortgages are amortized over 30 years. So you get back to that idea of sequencing. Well, if your student loan debt repayment is based on 10 years, but you don't connect to the fact that that's the period and you think about it more as a long-dated liability like a mortgage, there's a mismatch there. And people take on this debt because they're told it's a good investment. And people believe that. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's a strong correlation between education and lifetime income. But oftentimes, people lose sight of the fact that they have to repay that debt someday. And what I can tell you is that retiring student loan debt is essential because if you don't, it can be an albatross around your neck. And the way that I, I would sort of think about it is, and it, to me, it's it's personal because I had some student loan debt when I came out of college. But if you put off paying down that debt and then you start to have a family and you're thinking about retirement and you purchase a home, suddenly you find yourself in your peak earning years and it's also your peak expense years. And as I like to say, I hope life never gets more expensive. And that's certainly the plan. But you may find yourself in a situation where you have to make a decision, do I trade my retirement to put my kids through college? And you can always borrow to send your kids to college. You can't borrow to retire. And so that's the the real challenge of, of student loan debt is not the debt itself, but what it does over the course of your working life and how it affects other financial goals that you might have. I agree with you, Josh. Unfortunately, so many graduating students are saddled with an enormous amount of student loan debt that needs to be paid back right when they're beginning their first, quote-unquote, adult job, paying rent, bills, a car payment, maybe a mortgage on their own, potentially for the first time in their lives. Whatever parents can do to enable their children to take on less student loan debt is really going to help these kids start into adulthood with their best foot forward. In my own situation, I have two stepchildren, and we started to save very early and put two children through school. Happy to say that our youngest is graduating this year, and we have ended up with $157 left in our college savings plan. 
This goes back to making sure that you have a plan and that you start early and contribute often. You both raised some really great points. This is really not about spoiling your kids, right? So rising tuition and student loans, they are absolutely serious burdens, and they actually end up impacting adult milestones that you would want to have in your life when you have a family, when you can own a home, and so forth. So is there a savings order that people can follow when it comes to prioritizing financial priorities? Josh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, absolutely. You think about it. First thing that happens when you come out of college is hopefully you get a job. Well, what do you do next? Well, you're earning income. That necessitates having a budget. You know, how are you going to pay for your day-to-day expenses? So what are you going to spend on a week on yourself? How are you going to manage any debt that you have? Are you going to put aside some money, you know, for either emergency savings or, or retirement? It also means that you got to set some goals for yourselves. What are you saving for or what are you spending for what? So there's things, as we've mentioned, there's purchasing a home, there's retirement, there's health care, emergency savings, student loan debt. These are all things that you have to balance. So identifying what it is that you're saving or reducing debt for is, is really important. I've mentioned emergency savings. Before you save a nickel for retirement, you might want to consider having three to six months set aside. Most experts suggest that you have that kind of buffer so that you can deal with the unexpected, whether it's a car repair or an unexpected medical bill. And once you've got your day-to-day and your goal set up, then you can start thinking about saving for retirement and think about what is the sequence of these financial milestones that you want to achieve. Those are some really practical suggestions. Thanks, Josh. Allison, is there a similar pyramid to saving and planning for college? Yes, there is, Christine. Imagine a pyramid that's cut into three tiers. The bottom and the largest tier is the foundation. That's your savings. Money saved can come from various resources, a student's summer job, gifts from family and friends, and of course, using a savings strategy within an education savings vehicle like a 529 plan. Many parents, they might not be able to save enough to cover this entire cost of college. It can be very overwhelming. So they must rely on other sources of aid. The middle tier of the college savings pyramid is known as money awarded and is made up of grants, scholarships, work study. These resources are key to this equation because they don't need to be paid back. Grants and scholarships can come from lots of resources, federal and state governments, colleges, universities, trade schools, or a local or nonprofit organization. Your child's guidance counselor can really help you in this area. Parents should be careful, though, I'd like to warn, not to rely too heavily on the notion that their child is going to be the best one at sports or the smartest kid in the school and be awarded enough in grants or scholarships to fully cover the cost of their college. This is a common misconception, unfortunately. And then when you're ready to pay for school, you don't have enough. Can I I just echo Mm -hmm. something you're saying? Sure. Being in the thick of it myself with my first child going off to college— I, you know, I may indulge in a little bit of social media, and you can't believe the number of people that, you know, sort of think, my kid's going to get merit or my kid's going to get a scholarship, and many do. 
But if you go in expecting those things, you run the risk of being caught unprepared. Everyone always says a full boat scholarship. That's not really a reality. It might cover tuition, but what about your room and board? What about your books? These are all things that you want to make sure that you're saving for. The final and smallest tier, hopefully, should be student loans. Because loans, they need to be paid back eventually, and they're typically given out in the student's name. As we mentioned, many graduating students are leaving college saddled with this enormous student loan debt. That is why it's important for parents to begin saving as soon as possible, sticking with it throughout the years. And if you build a strong savings foundation, your child will need to borrow less when the time comes. I love the concept of the three tiers of the pyramid, Allison. That really helps to simplify your savings strategy. Let's continue to build on that. There are several ways people can put aside money for educational expenses, and college savings plans are one option. How do those work, Allison? 529 college savings plans are state-sponsored tax-advantaged savings vehicles that are used to pay for educational expenses. Any U.S. resident can be an owner and anyone can be a beneficiary, including yourself. All contributions are after-tax money and earnings grow tax-deferred. If these monies are used for qualified educational expenses, such as tuition, room and board, books and supplies, or even a computer, these withdrawals will be federally and, in most cases, state tax-free. In addition, at least 30 states offer in-state tax deductions on such contributions. 529 plans are structured much like 401k plans, and account holders can choose from professionally managed, age-based, static, or individual fund portfolio allocations based on their child's age or the account holder's risk tolerance level. Also, unlike certain other educational savings vehicles, 529 plans have high maximum account balance limits, no age or income limitations, and the account holder has complete control over the assets and investment direction. The beneficiary can't access these funds, and the account holder can take the money back at any time. However, it is important to note that income taxes and an additional 10% IRS penalty may apply on the earnings portion of any such non-qualified withdrawal. You know, it's it's interesting. Allison mentioned the account balance limits. There's also very high contribution limits. And there are some features around gifting that many grandparents or relatives may want to take advantage of that have tax benefits to them and the ultimate beneficiary. Yes, I'd like to call that the five-year accelerated gifting provision in the 529 plans. Anyone can gift another individual up to $16,000 in a year, but in 529 plans, there's this five-year forward gifting election where grandparents or a parent can do five years of gifting in one lump sum, and that gets prorated over the five years. A really great way to add money into their child or grandchild's 529 plan and take that money out of their taxable estate. And you sort of think of it that way, it can be part of a legacy. Definitely, definitely. I agree. Now, college savings plans aren't just for college anymore, right? Allison, can you tell us a little bit more about how the benefits have expanded in recent years? That's right, Christine. 
recent rules changes have allowed for up to $10,000 per year to be used for K-12 tuition at private and parochial schools. In addition, up to $10,000 in one's lifetime can be used to pay back student loans of the beneficiary or sibling. And what I had just mentioned before, anyone can be a beneficiary, including yourself. So you can open a 529 plan as owner and beneficiary and use that money to pay back your own student loans. Lastly, the definition of college is quite broad. Apprenticeship programs, vocational and trade schools, those count as higher educational institutions, as do many colleges and universities abroad. You know, college savings plans have been around for 20 years, but they're still fairly misunderstood. What are some of the features of college savings plans that some of our listeners may not know about, Allison? There's a lot of flexibility with a 529 plan. As I mentioned before, there's high maximum account balance limits, no age or income limitations, and the account owner can change that beneficiary to another member of the family at any time if the current beneficiary decides not to go to college or receives a scholarship. If the beneficiary does receive a scholarship or attends a military academy or becomes disabled, the owner can take a non-qualified withdrawal without being subject to the 10% IRS penalty. The earnings portion may still be subject to ordinary income taxes, however, so this is something to think about. Account owners can name a successor owner who will take over that account in the event of the account holder's death or incapacitation, and that will keep the 529 plan out of the owner's taxable estate. Those successor owners can be changed at any time throughout the life of the account. But most importantly, anyone can contribute to a 529 plan. Family members, friends, even legal entities such as trusts, even if they're not the account holder. Many grandparents are willing and able to assist with the funding of their grandchildren's education, yet many parents are a bit uncomfortable asking for such assistance. Don't be afraid to ask your friends and your family for monetary gifts to fund your child's college instead of that birthday toy. Uncovering additional sources of savings funding will help you build that college savings foundation and help free up additional savings to help you with meeting your retirement goals. Yeah, just to add to that, what I hear about giving a child money towards their future college education versus a toy, and if someone actually asks for that, what they're really telling you is, I don't need the clutter in my house. Exactly. Put that towards something that's truly meaningful. And that's, in fact, what I do with my brother's children and my cousins, because I think it's probably the best gift my family can possibly give to those that we care about. Well said. What are some steps that employers have taken to help employees who participate in retirement plans prioritize debt repayment? Yeah, it's a great question. It's actually a little bit broader than that. I think employers are starting to look at not only the debt side of it, but also the funding side of it. And we're seeing a lot of movement on benefit strategies because it's part of a recruitment and retention strategy of employees. So we are seeing employers put in programs that can help their employees manage student loan debt. And some will even go so far as to facilitate the payments. Because this wonderful thing about 401k plans is that there is a payroll deduction. And if you can take that student loan debt repayment 
before it ever hits your checking account, you don't really miss it in the same way. But employers are going further than that. Some are experimenting with plan designs that if an employee has to make a decision between saving for retirement or paying down student loan debt, they will match based on the student loan debt so that even though they may not be able to defer some of their income into their 401k plan, the employer is still able to match. And right now, that's probably the exception, not the rule. But there are policy discussions around legislation that could make that practice more widely utilized by employers. And we think that it will actually have a significant impact. And then lastly, we're seeing more and more tuition benefits, not only for education that furthers the employee, but also their beneficiaries. So there's a lot of movement because I think employers are starting to take a more holistic view and see both debt repayment and funding as a valued benefit. And seeing it as a tool for both attraction of talent and retaining talent. All good points. Yeah, and I would say even in this very tight labor market, it's encouraging to hear that employers are thinking differently about how to solve for that duality for college and retirement savings. When I used to hear about these sort of debt repayment or these types of programs, I always thought about it as employers trying to get younger. And it's not anymore because to your point, the labor market is so tight that they have to think about how these benefits can be more equitable across their workforce. Well, this has been a great conversation. Let's summarize a few key takeaways for our listeners. Allison, what would you highlight? Well, number one, I think the most important is to incorporate the college savings pyramid that I discussed. Bring that into your savings goals planning and focus on building your foundation as soon as you can so you don't run into a cash flow problem in retirement. Number two, do your research and discover resources that are out there that can be effectively used to plan for college costs and retirement goals at the same time. Lastly, explore the benefits of education savings vehicles like 529 college savings plans to help you reach your goals effectively. Josh, what are your thoughts? To just build upon some of Allison's thoughts, saving or borrowing for education is simply a means to an end, higher lifetime earnings. The second thing is that saving for college is like saving for retirement. You're best off if you do it early and often, and the longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes. And third and lastly, life's about choices, and saving for college requires striking a balance between your present self and your future self. Well, It's hard to believe, but it's time for us to start wrapping the discussion. We want to leave our listeners with a parting thought or a next step. Josh, let's turn to you. Not to be short, but don't delay. There's no time like the present to start saving. And if you've not already done so, starting today is as good a time as any. Great thought. Allison? I would say even with a great plan in place, you might not be able to cover the entire cost of college because you're also saving for retirement, and that's okay. Don't be afraid to encourage friends and family to contribute to your child's college education for birthdays, holidays, and special occasions. And it's never too early to start. Great. Well, thank you both for joining me today. This has been a terrific conversation. Thanks so much, Christine, for having us. Thank you. It was great. 
Again, I'm Christine Akins, and thank you for listening. Please tune in for our next episode, which focuses on retirement uses for health savings accounts. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I hope your next step towards retirement is a confident one. T. Rowe Price, Retire with Confidence. This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you, nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. The views contained herein are as of the date noted on the material and are subject to change without notice. These views may differ from those of other T. Rowe Price Group companies and or associates. This information is not intended to reflect a current or past recommendation, investment advice of any kind, or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment services. The material has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority in any jurisdiction. The opinions and commentary provided do not take into account the investment objectives or financial situation of any particular investor or class of investor. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. A 529 College Savings Plan's disclosure document includes investment objectives, risks, fees, expenses, and other information you should read and consider carefully before investing. You should review the 529 plan offered by your home state or your beneficiary's home state and consider, before investing, any state tax or other state benefits, such as financial aid, scholarship funds, and protection from creditors that are only available for investments in such state's 529 plan. Tax benefits may be conditioned on meeting certain requirements, such as residency, purpose for or timing of distributions, or other factors as applicable. Copyright 2022, T. Rowe Price, All Rights Reserved. T. Rowe Price, Invest with Confidence, Retire with Confidence, The Bighorn Sheep Design, and Confident Conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated. All Rights Reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, and T. Rowe Price Investment Management Incorporated are affiliated companies.